What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a podcast about all things Dungeons and Dragons. I'm one of your hosts, Ali Deichman, and with me this week is... Trevor Betts. That's right, and this week we will be talking about getting into the hobby and session zero, as well as answering some listener questions at the end. Trevor, how were your games this week? Um, well, there was a Pathfinder game, and that was about it. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I don't remember how scheduling worked, but yeah, we haven't. I haven't done the Golden Pals game since mm-hmm. last time, so still coming up with crazy ideas in between. There's a, I'm finding ways of helping them out that won't just be hand of God <laughs> stuff, but still coming along. I'm excited about the one thing you did tell me. Yeah. <laughs> um. And uh. Yeah. Pathfinder was cool. We mm-hmm. fought a bunch of stuff. Uh, I made things make uh, will saves and some failed yeah, for like cool. the first time in a two and a <laughs> half year campaign. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. They got banished, told them to fuck off. Uh, yeah. Sorry, toss off as my character told them. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was a lot of fun though. We, we kicked some ass and we're in the middle of a fight where we left off because my God, I was about to fall asleep yeah, at the you were table. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but how, how are your games going? It was good. I was also in that Pathfinder game. A lot of fun. I'm a rogue. You can't have not fun unless you're not allowed to sneak attack which does happen but anyways um i also did my two of annihilation game on sunday and that was quite a lot of fun um my players finally got to the point where they're flying to where they need to fly to and um (laughs) they met some npcs and became immediately wary of them and they're now very suspicious and paranoid and i don't know what to do about that which is cool I'm excited. <laughs> I always love when players meet an NPC that you're like so excited for them to meet because the NPC is so awesome and they just think that they are Satan. You're like, what did I do? They're the big bad guy in disguise. I'm like, no, he's literally like the coolest dude. Can you just like not be <laughs> you right now? Yeah, she's she's just you know not really. She's not bad. Mm-hmm. She just doesn't know much too much better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I am excited about the next session as well. <laughs> Especially since they're at the big place. I'm the like, big place. Ooh. This is when it's going to get even harder to start describing what's going on <laughs> in the game. So one hard thing about talking about our games, but also not giving spoilers. Yeah, at some point I'm going to have to run a full homebrew game so I can just freely talk about it and not worry. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> weird when I get into a Vernus. <laughs> at least the opening part I can just go balls the wall because that's going to be my own thing. Yeah. Um, so your games? Yep. I only had really those two this yeah, week. We, we, I, we, I didn't do my Wednesday game because we just needed a day off. <laughs> we are games light this week. Yeah. But we are not podcasting light. Nope. In fact, uh, we've got some news. we got a little bit of news anyways. Um, so we talked last week about uh, the extra life thing that they're doing with the, the mm-hmm. character race. That weird little fish man who's adorable. Like, his name I can't remember, <laughs> uh, but they're doing another one. Uh, so uh, the tweet that Dungeons Dragons Wizards of the Coast whatever put out: support extra life for kids and snag exclusive 2019 hashtag D and D shirt designs of princes on a variety of cuts and colors, featuring Lulu the Hollyfunt and uh, Slobber Chops. <laughs> the what? The the terrasium from Baldur's Gate descent to Avernus. All proceeds uh, benefit uh, Children's Hospital. Is that is that Children's Hospital? Yes, Children's yes. Hospital, and uh, via Extra Life. So I'm gonna retweet this right now from our account. Um, but yeah, these shirts are awesome. There's a fantastic yeah. uh, D20 with the ampersand with the uh, Extra Life halo around it. Yeah, Looks it's fantastic. actually all the. 
the shirts look actually really cool. Not like someone just threw it together. It looked like they were all well designed. Mm-hmm. So it's the Holly cool. Fun one is so cute. It's so cute. Lulu is amazing. It says, be a hero. Oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, th- those are really cool. And that's, again, y- you get something pretty cool, but better yet, you're helping out people in need. Mm-hmm. That's always my favorite kind of thing. If Unless you're just going to go help people in need, and then you're super awesome. <laughs> um, so I don't know if we talked about it, but the second piece of news is that um, the special edition Tyranny of Dragons book has gotten a release date, or at least I finally saw the release date. Yes. <laughs> um, so if you are unaware, if you're new to the hobby, uh, the first campaign that came out for fifth edition was the Tyranny of Dragons uh, campaign. However, it was split into two books. Mm-hmm. There was the Horde of the Dragon Queen. Cre- Dragon Queen, I can speak, and The Rise of Tiamat. These two books are being combined into one awesome edition with Hydro 64 doing the artwork and looking so cool. Yeah. Um, And it is going to release on October 22nd at your local game store. I'm a little... I, I wish they would release it uh, everywhere else so I didn't have to worry about trying to get a copy, but maybe, you know, we can we can reserve one. That'd be yeah. cool. But, I mean, like, I was able to do that with the special edition gift set with yeah. our local game store, our uh, local game store. But um, <laughs> We'll say, though, we got uh, you, me, and Kyle got three of the four special edition Descent into Avernuses that our local store got. Yeah. <laughs> and they have not gotten more in from what I've seen. Oh, man. In fact, the last time I was there, they were completely out of Avernus. Yikes. <laughs> hey, it's selling well. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, October 22nd, that's coming out. And um, we haven't reviewed that one yet, but it's for us, it's not the best one. But it certainly is a good starter one, I would say. Yeah, I will agree with that. If you are just getting into the hobby this year, that is probably a good one for you to go with skipping a few chapters. (laughs) Possibly, Um, yeah. (laughs) But, um, yeah, you know what? Maybe around that time, depending on where we are at with episodes. I don't know why I looked at my watch like (laughs) I was going to be able to tell where we were going to be in episodes by then. Uh But maybe we'll do a review of it around then. Who knows? Yeah. Let's see. Um, But, yeah, that's it's very light news week. Uh, We have no dungeon keeping again um and our dungeon is already well kept it is we're keeping it so clean all the <laughs> all the cobwebs are exactly where they're supposed to mm-hmm. be it's fantastic it's perfect traps are reset you know hourly <laughs> got those cobalts helping out with that anywho uh so we're just gonna we're just gonna dive into our first topic and i do kind of feel like this might be a little bit of a meaty one um so this topic actually came from one of my sisters oh, yeah. um she uh, posted a RPG related thing on Facebook and one of her friends was like, Hey, I really want to get into this. Like, how do I do it? Something along those lines. And Emily linked me to it. She's <laughs> like, Trevor, take it away. <laughs> and, um, I, I gave a brief thing of just like, you know, here's a starter set. Here's the, uh, essentials kit. But I want to do a little bit more in depth about it because it is kind of overwhelming at this point. Yeah, we have reached that point in this edition where there are multiple, multiple routes that you can go about it. Yeah, like at the bookstore, there are, the the shelf is pretty packed full of books now. Yeah. Um, and they don't like a most irritating series in the sci-fi and fantasy. They don't give you a number on there of what <laughs> to do first or yeah. where to start. So I think we're gonna separate this into two things: uh, the player side and the DM side. Yeah, that's a good call. Um. But, Allie, where do you think a player, someone who just wants to get in and sit down at the table and make a character should start? Um, honestly, I think 
should probably just invest in a starter set. Mm -hmm. I think this is how both of these sections is going to start with. Yeah, um, because it doesn't, it's not as big as a purchase as a $50 book. Mm -hmm. And it also gets you a good introduction. It gives you pre-built character sheets. It gives you um, the base set of rules that all you need to know really to play. And it gives you also a cool map so it introduces you yeah. into the coolness of D and it, it I, gives you a lot well I'll, I'll say this it introduces you to the the rules yeah but it doesn't quite introduce you to the coolness because i love the starter kit it doesn't feel cool it's it, a cardboard yeah. box with some paper pamphlets in it and some dice and when you first get it you know you've got built up this idea in your head what D is and then you're just given these papers yeah I mean, and so I understand when people are like, oh, I'm just buying the player's handbook. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> that does help, but it doesn't give you direction. Mm -hmm. um, that's the thing about the player's handbook is that it is a great resource book. And you do kind of need it if you want to play more than just that first little mm -hmm. mini adventure. Um, because it does help you actually create the character you want to create. It does help you with a lot of things. However, it doesn't actually just straight up tell you how to start playing. Well, okay. How about this? Because I'm, I'm realizing in my head there's a lot of different places people could start. There's people who start where they are in a group. They already have a group of people that want to play D&D. Mm -hmm. Then there's someone else who um, doesn't have anyone that they know that plays D&D and has just yeah. seen it and wants to play it. Um, and then there's somebody who's at a game store and sees it for the first time. So <laughs> let's break that down into those. Let's okay. think about those three. So for the group... Definitely think the starter set. Yeah, that's... And I would even say the essentials kit, too. Yeah. Because that kind of sets it up easiest for both the players and the DM to just go for everything. Um, the starter kit, simply because it's almost simpler in a weird way. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, definitely one of those two, I think, would be a good set for the group of people that have all established they want to play. Mm -hmm. And have a day that they're like, let's get together on this day. What should we bring? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everyone pitches in five bucks for a starter set, and there you go. You can all play. <laughs> yeah. Um, for the person that is doesn't know anyone that is playing in the hobby that is just interested, in, maybe you saw Critical Role, maybe you've heard somebody talk about it just offhandedly. Um, where do you think the best place for them to start is? Um, I recommend either looking up local D and D events like mm -hmm. seeing if there is an adventures league in town um if you don't have anybody that wants to play with you that is um if not ask a few people ask friends even family members like would you guys be interested in playing this with me it's kind of like a board game mm -hmm. you could be like just open it up to them and and see if they'd be interested but uh what would you say about purchasing things because mm -hmm. let, let, like let's yeah. let's take sad pathetic teenager trevor uh -huh. as an example here uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I, I've thought about many times, like if I had seen how cool D and D was when I was like 14, how that would have happened. I know exactly what would have happened. I would have started buying books, mm -hmm. would have had no idea what books I was buying. No I just idea. would have started buying ones yeah. and, uh, then just r read them or looked at the pretty pictures and stuff and just kind of waited for something to happen where I got to play it. Mm -hmm. So what would you say would be the best place to start in that regard where you don't have anyone, but you want to buy stuff. You want to feel like you're in it. Hmm. See, personally, I would say in this in situation, situation, I, I would, would say, say buy the player's handbook. I was going to, yeah, I was going to yeah. agree with that it, because at that point 
you are invested in actually learning the hobby Mm -hmm. fully more so than just getting an introduction to it. Mm -hmm. And so the player's handbook, I'm not going to lie, kind of reads like a textbook just a little bit. Out of all of the books, yes. That and the DMG. The DMG is is a little bit less so. Like the DMG like is more of a thought experiment. It is. Is is the best way I can think to describe it. um, You know those books that help you learn how to write? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like one of those. It's like a workbook. Yeah, it's like yeah. a workbook. Um, but yeah, the player's handbook does kind of read and feel like a textbook where it's like, here's the steps to doing this. Here's how to do this. Here are examples. Granted, it's done in a way that's very easy to read. Mm-hmm. But um, the way it's presented is a little difficult. So you do have to kind of sit down and read it, especially mm-hmm. if you're the first person of your group to kind of get the lay down of how it works. Yeah, because I, I feel like if... like one of the other things that could happen with this is where like you want to get to the point where you can pitch this idea to your friends Mm -hmm. or to your family or something like that yeah so actually having the player's handbook or even the dmg but mainly the player's handbook handbook and being able to go okay listen here's why this is cool yeah and you know doing that kind of like pitch meeting thing where you got graphs yeah and posters like i gotta say playing the game before you pitch it to other people is probably the best thing you can do. And by when I say that, let me use an example. So my friend a long time ago got me the Game of Thrones um, RPG. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, I remember that. it's really complicated. And how you build your character is really complicated. And how you build the house is really complicated. Because mm-hmm. you're setting a whole new history to this already set history. Mm-hmm. And so... I actually sat there and like built, I think, three different houses along with three different characters inside those houses before I even had the chance of like saying, hey, guys, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I really wanted to understand how you do it, because before then I was not going to be able to explain it to anybody. And I think the player's handbook is the easiest thing for you to kind of sit down with yourself and figure out how to play Mm -hmm. better than any other thing, because I think the starter kit at that point almost assumes that you would have other people to start this with you. And so I think it's easier to learn by yourself with only the player's handbook. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Cause it's like with the starter set or even the essentials kit, you need at least one other person to really kind of get and understand how the game would flow with mm-hmm. that. Whereas with the player's handbook, similar to like a textbook, you can take notes, you can learn from it and you can kind of get yourself into it more so than otherwise. I would say that, yeah, that's probably like if you have if, in this situation, the essentials kit is probably one of the better ones because you can play it with just one other person. Yeah. Um, if you have any kind of siblings or you have a parent who is not just going to roll their eyes at whatever oh you God. say. Play with a parent. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. But if if like let's take this example to an adult I've had. Mm-hmm. I, I had some buddy at my table that just sat down and started playing and then uh, they picked up a starter kit. And uh, he's been reading that, and he did fine with it. Hmm. Um, but, you know, he's not, you know, like teenager Trevor, who's just going to want a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I I do think that, like, in these situations, probably the, the starter kit or the essentials kit, but if you really know that you are going to be into this, like, this is for you, just dive in and get that player's handbook. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're the type of person who – has been watching Critical Role for three plus years. You know, well, it's like well, at that's that a, point, that's actually another one to think about. Like, if you have been watching Critical Role and you've been wondering about it and everything, buy the player's handbook and follow along. Yeah, like when when Travis is doing something, look up his class. If like, he's he's still a main class, isn't he? Or did they all switch to other classes? I think they switch. Do they all do new classes? Okay, well, 
try and follow along. Like when somebody says like, okay, roll with advantage, look up what advantage is mm-hmm. and understand that rule. Like just kind of follow along in that way. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there's other, uh, you know, online D and D streaming things that you could follow along with that use the rules as written. So you can follow along with the book that way yeah. to get to know them in order to do that pitch meeting. I mean, like with the accessibility of D and D beyond too, mm-hmm. it's really a lot more easier to, just have things build it for you too Mm -hmm. like if you literally still can't grasp like how to build a character just honestly go on to dnd beyond um because like if you're looking through the player's handbook and you're just not getting it or if you've played the starter kit and you're like i still don't know that is the cool thing dnd beyond you for free you Mm -hmm. can build a pretty baseline character yeah pretty much a character that would come from the starter kit i believe you could play except you can actually take them to level 20 yeah which is really cool yeah (laughs) Uh, you can't do like feet. Well, you need some feeds, but um, now for that person that is at a game store and has sees it on the shelf, somehow has never heard of Dungeons and Dragons before, doesn't watch Stranger Things. <laughs> um, I think the best thing for you, if you're already at a game store, if you already got your you know local games people, go talk to the people that own the place and ask them if they have Adventure League, and mm-hmm. if they don't, tell them that you are expressing interest in them doing something like that. Because yeah. I know a lot of game stores w- only do stuff that they think is going to be popular to do. So if an interest is shown in D&D, uh, then they might start up Adventure League or something adjacent to that, like what we do mm-hmm. at our bookstore. And if, if you have the accessibility there, then you could try it out. But if you're already at a game store and you go there regularly, you could get a player's handbook, go there with it, See if other people are playing it or talking about it and try and, you know, make some new friends. Yeah. Or just try and be like, hey, I really want to try this out. Can I just play one game with you guys and see how it is? Yeah. I mean, like, it is a social game in the end. Yes. Unfortunately. (laughs) The Essentials Kit is as close as we can get to only being a one-person game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But... uh, Oh, my God. We should do an episode where it's just you and I playing the Essentials Kit. (laughs) That would actually be fun. That could be pretty cool. Um... But because if you're playing D&D by yourself, that's called writing a book. <laughs> I um, already do that anyways. <laughs> so That's the one place my roles can't suck. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do recommend um, definitely, if, especially if you have a gaming store near you. If you don't, another possibility is online. I know there are like forums and Reddit posts where it's like, hey, we're looking for group. Yeah. We're looking for another player. And it's like, if you come up and say, hey, I'm new, would you be I up to ha- bring me in? I actually found, to my absolute astonishment, there is a thread on D&D Beyond where people are playing by post. Really? That's awesome. I didn't know that was still happening, but people are still playing by post. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's kind of like an old forum term yeah but... uh, so so playing by post is literally like there is a somebody starts the thread and is like hey i'm doing a D game i'm locking this to everyone but these people and those players go take turns by posting and it's like uh, the dm will be like okay so and so what are you doing and then they'll post and put what they're doing and it's a very honor system because you obviously can't see roles yeah <laughs> um but it's also kind of interesting because it's uh, like i know some people have set times where they all get on and just post repeatedly but then there's other ones that's almost asymmetrical where it's just you post when you can yeah and so the game is kind of always going <laughs> 
it's kind of cool yeah <laughs> uh but yeah doing looking for stuff online mm-hmm. is very viable i've talked about that on a dungeon driver episode about like gaming online or some yeah. crap um i mean like the only thing that i would advise about gaming online is just if you feel uncomfortable in the group at all or you just feel oh, like yeah. these guys aren't for me don't feel guilty about leaving well also don't <laughs> let the give you an impression of what this D community is yeah because the the amount of people that are amazing certainly does outweigh the amount of people that are not yeah the people that are, are not they are the vocal minority yeah <laughs> um but yeah i i feel like those are good starting places however there is one more i thought of yes what if you're a parent that is not into D and your kid is expressing interest in it. How they found this episode, I don't know. Listeners, you can show it to them because I know they exist because my sister-in-law is one of them. Um, where do you think a parent whose kid is showing interest in D&D should start? Oh, that's a little tougher because... Because you don't know if they have a group. You don't really know yeah. what's going on there. I would say, because I actually have um, suggested for a parent at the bookstore... Mm-hmm. Um, the essentials kit because mm-hmm. even then no matter what if your friend wa- if your kid wants to bring in friends or if it's just your kid saying they want to play but they don't know who to play with mm-hmm. or if you're just worried about them playing with people and summoning demons or whatever then <laughs> a real dungeons and dragons <laughs> demon then i'm gonna the do that for the kit. rest of this show yeah not this show but like the whole show <laughs> <laughs> then the essentials kit is perfect because it's just you and your kid and it's bonding time and it's yeah great and it tells you how to play with just the kid. And it really lets you see how D&D builds the social skills that your kid mm-hmm. is learning when they're growing up. But the only thing that gives me trouble about suggesting that is the Essentials Kit. Very much like the Player's Handbook. Kind of, it, It's tough to like... The, what I'm having trouble with saying is that like I know the kid is really interested, but the parent doesn't match the same level of interest most of the mm-hmm. time. And so to get them as hyped for D&D, like the Essentials Kit isn't almost there. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know exactly how to answer that one. Um, what I, I I told my sister-in-law, different sister, mm-hmm. um, to, to get my nephew the starter kit. Um, however, I also said, like, eventually you could get him the player's handbook. To which she went, I'm going to get him the player's handbook. I'm like, okay. okay. <laughs> um, so I guess I guess my nephew has that now. And the more I thought about it, though, because I, I was thinking about it, I'm like, my nephews probably aren't going to sit down and, like, play a game like him, like him DM for his brother. So... I realized I'm like player's handbook probably was a good one because he will just sit there and like tear through that book. Not literally <laughs> reading. <laughs> um, but I've also helped by like, I got them the young adventures guides and I'm going to get them the two other ones that are coming out this mm-hmm. year. And I also got them endless quests and stuff like that. I just showered them with D and D stuff. <laughs> um, but that's me who knows this stuff. Um, and I, I do think that if they're a super young kid, the young adventures guide is probably the best thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, but really, um, the player's handbook probably would be a good option if you're not sure how they're going to play it or anything like that. Or if you personally, and I know I'm not, I'm not saying you're a parent, you have to be interested in every single thing your kid's doing. (laughs) Player's handbook might not be a bad thing to do just so that they sit there and read. And like my grandfather used to say, as long as they're reading, 
it doesn't matter what they're reading. Like, that's yeah. why my grandfather would buy me Pokemon player's guides. He had no idea what this <laughs> dumb yellow rat was, but he was like, hey, he's reading whatever. <laughs> Man, he got taken away at school one time. He got pissed. It was Ooh. so good. So good. That's a different story. Um, okay, let's... Uh, do, you, do you have any other thoughts on, on that one for... You know, I gotta say, like, I kind of agree with that majorly about that last thing, because... If your kid is super interested in it and you have no idea what it is, getting them the player's handbook will at least, it'll both sate their want for D&D and mm-hmm. it'll also give them something to do. Because like I mentioned earlier, they could sit down and build characters by themselves. I yeah. mean, I know players, like veteran players that just sit down and build characters for fun. Yep. And that is a thing. Thomas, it is I'm fun. looking at you. <laughs> so it's like. That is something that you can give your kid and that will make them happy. Of course, there's going to come a time where they're going to be like, I want to play with people. And then you'll have to address it from there. But I think the player's handbook is a good start. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right. Let's talk about DMs. Yes. Now, uh, this one I think is a little bit more specific because you do already have an idea of what D&D is and you you want to be Matt Mercer. (laughs) <laughs> you want to be Chris Perkins. You want to be any one of them that sits there and is behind the screen. Mm-hmm. So you do already kind of have an idea of what it is. You maybe played a game. You maybe seen Critical Role. Uh, you maybe heard some stories. Yeah. Um, where do you think an aspiring DM should start? Okay. So honestly, I don't think they need the DMG. <laughs> yeah. So this is something that we kind of like you know tiptoed around is that the dmg is great eventually but it's not actually i don't feel like the title of that book actually fits what it does i would recommend the monster manual before the dmg 100 percent. because you can build more of a quest from just looking at the monster manual Mm -hmm. than you can from reading the entirety of the dmg personally i i feel like um like really the cheapest way in is the starter kit because it has monsters and it has an adventure because i do think reading an adventure is an important thing when you want to be a a dm so that way you have some idea of story and pacing structure yeah um i know that when i started and didn't look at any of that both of those things sucked (laughs) uh and i was 21 (laughs) yeah i mean that's that's a very good point like it's good to understand how the structure of the game works in Mm -hmm. general before you really dive first into what you really want to do which is build your own world and build your own adventure and build your own dungeon and all that stuff but it's like before you really do that i would recommend playing with the starter kit I think over the essentials kit because the essentials kit kind of has almost too many options yeah. for a first-time oh, yeah, DM. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like it's really cool with the sidekicks and everything, so you can do a one-on-one adventure. But there's almost it's too much for a very first-time DM. Okay, well here's here's a good question. Money's not an object; they're getting two books. Oh, okay. What would you? Because like what I'm thinking in my head is the monster manual and a campaign. Oh, okay. What do you think? That would depend. Okay, so I would, yeah, Monster Manual hands down. Mm-hmm. I would say they should get if they have that if they can get two books, and campaign is tempting, but I almost just want to say the player's handbook. Yeah, because you can build a little mini thing from just the Monster Manual. It's true, but again, there's like that concept of as a DM, honestly, I and as a whole table playing, you really only need one player's handbook. Mm-hmm. Everyone doesn't need their own. And so it's like, if the table already has a player's handbook, 
hundred percent. If you want to be a DM out of the whole group of people, yeah, then I recommend just Monster Manual and the and a campaign book. And if you can't afford both, a campaign book because the campaign book already has monsters in it mm-hmm. that should already have the stats in there. Well, it doesn't have all of them though. I know it doesn't have yeah. all of them, but um, here's the thing. I I would say Monster Manual and Storm King's Thunder. You think so? I actually would say Storm King's Thunder. Uh, thinking through like how the rest of the books go and how it paces things and stuff like that, I think it's probably the easiest for a new DM to get in there because we were saying earlier, Tomb of, or uh, Tyranny of Dragons is a good starter one because it's in chapter form, mm-hmm. but it doesn't give you a good idea of what the game is going to be later if you keep going with those campaign books. It's a very different kind of thing. My only objection to that is that Storm King's Thunder can get tough to play as a new DM because uh, the book presents a lot of things as options for their for the care for the mm-hmm. PCs a lot of the times more often than like this is what happens when they get here. It's like there's I a- I I, th- I think that's why like I'm thinking like s- not throwing you completely into the deep end. Mm-hmm. I feel like the deep end would be Tomb of Annihilation or Strahd. Or Strahd. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to recommend. Prince of the Apocalypse for reasons we'll get into in a future episode. <laughs> um, but I think those two, personally, for my recommendation, that's what I do. But you do make a good point about the player's handbook where, yeah, theoretically, you yeah. only need one book at the table. You really only do, yeah. And, and then, like, when you're playing, it should be near the DM. <laughs> and, well, I mean, like, I, I know when I played 4th edition, I was the one that had the player handbooks. Yeah. And uh, I brought them every week and... I, I thought the other day about how I used to have a whole giant cart full of books <laughs> that I would bring to every session. And now yep. sometimes I forget books and That's fine. I mean, I mean, forget any books yeah. and I just use my phone. Yeah. <laughs> the how future time. is now. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I think for the DM, it's diving into something like I, I do think that you are going to need to dive headfirst into stuff. And that's why I do recommend Storm King's Thunder because, yes, the starter kit has an adventure in it and it is a good... I will say, probably out of the out of all of them, it is the best intro into being a DM because it's got those mm-hmm. little side things and everything. But if you're the type of person that just wants to dive into it, that's why I would say Storm King's yeah. Thunder. Not to mention the story of Storm King's Thunder is very heroic and, and yeah. epic in itself. Yeah. And so it makes it feel like an actual like old school D&D game where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, there's like a grand purpose to things. Whereas like some of the other ones, I mean, like granted Tomb of Annihilation, it's like you're, you're, you're there to save a lot of people. But at the same time, you kind of lose that along the way sometimes. Also, you got eaten by a T-Rex. Yeah. Um, and then like Strahd, it's kind of almost personal. Like, mm-hmm. in a way, so it's not like... You do save people, again, mm-hmm. but it's not like really... But do they have a soul? Exactly. <laughs> and so it's like, but with Storm King's Thunder, you are. You're saving very much like how the Tyranny of Dragons campaign is. You're saving Faerun. Yeah. You're saving a lot. Yeah, and, and I will say, if you can just get the Player's Handbook, get the Monster Mind and make your own game and learn as you go. Yeah. I, I, I totally understand. That is a thing that people want to do. That's the thing they're going to do. So mm-hmm. if that's what you feel like you want, do it. Uh, if you do feel like you want to run this epic campaign that they are building over so many books, Ty- Tyranny of Dragons is a good place to start. Because it, it literally has stuff in almost every future adventure. Yeah. 
Um, there, there, I have found references to Tyranny of Dragons in adventures that I never would have imagined they would be in. <laughs> there is a huge reference in Storm King's Thunder to it. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun when they get to it because half the players at my tables are like, hey. And I'm like, yeah, it's that one. Yep. They're like, oh, cool. Yep. Um, but yeah. Oh, I, I think the probably the best piece of advice here goes without saying get some dice <laughs> yeah start buying dice <laughs> you're gonna be a dice goblin just yeah. start buying them now yeah uh, you don't need metal ones you don't just get like a but bunch they're of really nice they are really nice but just get a bunch of plastic ones that you think are pretty and there you go yeah just get a start and, and i do recommend that for anyone getting the hobby just so that you when the book talks about rolling something you can see it you can roll it you can understand what's going on with mm-hmm. it exactly um I will say if you are of that type where you don't have much money and you do want to start DMing, the Monster Manual is great because it'll actually give you stats to play with. Mm -hmm. But kind of be like me. You could start off by basing your game around another thing. Mm -hmm. I started my whole entire home game basing it off of the Neverwinter MMO. It had a structure to it. It had quests to it, and I'm all she, like, "Yeah, She doesn't just work. mean that like she used the setting or the character. She she literally I took had the them quests. start on the beach. I had them go stop Valindra on Dragon's Bridge. I had them talk to Knox. I everything, mm-hmm. and they liked it. You essentially <laughs> converted a fourth edition game. I did. Into fifth edition. I, eventually, I realized I should just go get the fourth edition Neverwinter campaign, and I did. And so I have that now, and I'm just looking through it, having fun. Oh, but I love that book. Honestly, like you can have a TV show, like one oh, that yeah. you really like. You could have it based you could around do it on, there. You could do it on video game. You could be like, I freaking love Dragon Age. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get the Dragon Age RPG for whatever reason. There is yeah. an actual tabletop there, RPG. There is, it's yeah. really good. Um, and I just want to play <laughs> D&D with it. You can take the entire format of Dragon Age and yeah. put it into a, a tabletop. When we say format, I'm, we're kind of referring to like how they set up the quests. Like mm-hmm. the step, the quest process. Like you travel to a place you go through a dungeon you defeat monsters and then you come back and then there's yeah. a reward the the entire dalish section of um of dragon age origins not the opening part but like when you first go back to the dalish elves that entire section made me so reminiscent of of D and D. Like from where you start in the village and you talk to everyone, and then you move out into the forest, and it's kind of this maze like area where you're weirdly kind of yeah. doing a dungeon crawl, and then you get actually into the dungeon, and then you <laughs> keep going into it, and then you hear about Flemeth, and it, it's it's so that one you could totally turn into like a several month campaign, yeah, just from that one area alone. And so as long as you have the already built stats from, like, the monster manual, you can easily just say, like, oh, they're fighting, like, zombies in this movie mm-hmm. or video game. I could easily have them fight zombies in here. Yeah. And once you kind of have an idea of what, like, the CR is and everything like that, you can kind of build stuff off of that. And once you do a few <laughs> encounters, you can kind of have an idea of, like, Okay, so maybe eight zombies was too much. (laughs) And so you kind of can pull back a a little bit. And that's when, you know, you get into how to actually DM. And that's the beauty of DMing is you learn from how you play. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think that is some good advice. If if we didn't answer something or another question popped into your head while we were talking about this incessantly. Or if you have like a specific question like that only pertains to you. 
yeah, send those in. You can uh, send them to difficultyclass at gmail.com, and we will be more than happy to answer them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if even if it's one, if you have a question that you don't want read on the <laughs> episode about because you feel like it's a dumb question, there are no dumb questions. Sure uh, you can you can send it in and just say like, hey, I'm just looking for some advice through email, mm-hmm. and one of us will get back to you. Yeah. Um, but I think that is going to be good for that topic. And so we're going to move into our DMs Guild Spotlight. Yay! It is Monster Hunts Avernus. Um, we talked about the Monster Hunts before. I believe uh, we already mentioned this person before, too. It's uh, by Val Serene. Yep. Yep. Uh, he did the 100 Monster Hunts. And it's really cool. So this one um, has 24 wildly different monster hunting adventures <laughs> from witcher style hunting quests to weird and wonderful searches for the perfect sandwich this is a quote reading from the read more section of the dungeon master's guild um it's a fifth edition supplement obviously and let's see it's pretty much d- drawn from the new creatures arriving in Baldur's gate descent into avernus and let me see what else oh my gosh i'm i just pulled you this just thing. looked it up yeah because yeah, Allie Allie came to the table with this one uh i I did the Monster Hunt uh, DMs Guild Spotlight, and I mm-hmm. absolutely loved it. But this book is way more involved than yeah. that one. And there are maps, very pretty, almost mm-hmm. Dyson Logos-like maps. Yeah, it's a 60-page full-color adventure book with maps for each individual hunt. Uh, prepped and ready to go with 20 oh. brand-new magical item rewards, earning from carving up monsters and beating up devils. Uh, you can craft armor you can do some cookbooks you can um there are two new monster hunting npc stat blocks to quickly inject into your campaign there's over 96 hours of D content and probably more if your players are as slow as mine um i just added it to my cart <laughs> yeah no it's really good and what's really cool is that if you get it within this first week um it just went off today which is the 30th um, you can actually get 25% off this title. If you go into the uh, read more section of the book, you actually get a link that will lead you there. Mm-hmm. Definitely would recommend it because um, if you're finding that Avernus didn't necessarily go into all the cool fiends that you wanted to explore, this one will get you there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And if you're like, well, I really wanted them to do with this thing. It's like, well, nope, it's in there. Just take a look at this uh, PDF here. Well, not only that, like it's, it's more side quest stuff like yeah. we were talking about that last week with uh uh hellbound heists yeah um these are great side quest opportunities for you and your war machine mm-hmm. <laughs> like i was feeling that avernus almost should have been like a not like a similar to ravnica how it was it's more a like setting a, book it was a setting book but then everyone wanted it to be a setting book but then it was more of a campaign than setting book and they were like oh and so all of a sudden, everyone's coming out with these really cool supplements that kind of provide that setting that you really mm-hmm. wanted. And yeah, this Monster Hunts is really great for that. Um, if you don't get there in time to get the percentage off, it's currently $9.95. Yep. PDF download. Really I just good. bought it for $7.95. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's downloading right now. <laughs> Yeah, and it'll give you plenty of cool side quests to do. And even just like in your regular campaign, if you just want your characters to go to hell for a hot minute, Mm -hmm. this is a great way to do it. So it is worth uh, mentioning that uh, the authors are Val Serene, but it is also Jimmy Merritt. Oh, yeah. Uh, There was a second uh, author on this one. There you go. And uh, let's see, the cartography. uh, All maps uh, used are from Dyson Logos. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, and released for free under the creative uh, counter. So it's got uh, Dyson Logos' artwork in it, which I just freaking love if you can't tell because I was able to spot it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, this is this. I fully endorse this thing because I just bought it. Uh, so, yeah, if you want some monster hunts to go along with your Descent into Avernus game, you can go check that out. Again, it is a, it is fully called Monster Hunts colon Avernus, and it will help you out with your Descent into Avernus game. Yeah, and just to mention, because the Val author, they actually wrote the first 100 hunts, monster hunts. Mm-hmm. Um, I just looked up Jimmy and Merritt, and they actually have a best mithril seller there's here's to crime a guide to capers and heists which pretty much so layers we, out the entirety of how to do a heist in D. so that might be one in a future episode yeah spoilers <laughs> all right well uh, i think that is good for that mm-hmm. we're gonna move into topic number two which is your topic alley yes it is session zero which i think is a really important one to talk about after just getting into the hobby Yes. Um, the I think Trevor and I both agree on the importance of having a session zero. Yes. Do not skip. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if you're with a group of people that you've been with for a long time and you're going from one campaign into another that's already pre-written, maybe you can skip it. But I wouldn't recommend it even then. Well, I would recommend definitely having one, whatever you're doing. If you're starting a game, I recommend that session zero. So, what is a session zero? Um, there's a few key things that go into that, and I'm sure... Lots of people can add into what it is. But for me, it basically is establishing what the setting is and what the theme of it is going to be. Like the feel. Like, is this going to be an epic grand adventure odyssey type thing? Or is it going to be a more of a quest line? Or is it going to be a bunch of monster hunts? Is it going to be like avenging a certain character's father? Is it going to, you know, it's like, so you set up the feel and the theme of the adventure that you guys are going to be playing together. Um, it also establishes a good time of player knowledge of the game. If you have veteran players, they know how to make characters, they know how to do everything. But if you have someone that's brand new, this is a good time to get them and introduced into how to build a character, mm-hmm. what character they would want to play, all those kind of questions. And it's also a good time to figure out what the party is going to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's helpful for both the players and the DM to know what the party build is going to be. Like the number one thing that I've come to learn that I don't like is showing up to a table and not knowing anything about the party, which is what we do almost weekly. <laughs> but as a DM, it like drives me nuts because I'm like, I can build a game to like tailor around characters, mm-hmm. and even just knowing what classes are coming to the table. Like I don't even need to know the backgrounds; I can tailor it to that. But knowing the backgrounds of characters, that's even better. Yeah, and you could even introduced you could start the whole entire adventure knowing the background of a character and basing something off of that yeah and it really helps the dm and the players know who's going to be at the table it also helps the dm understand if you need to say no to something yep this is a good time to have that uncomfortable topic talk want to show up with either some crazy like iron man inspired hell forged like (laughs) <laughs> way of the can say monk it's like no i i can fly and i can shoot laser beams out of my hands it's like okay hang, hang on man <laughs> you can be free to say no at that point because well you haven't started playing yet mm-hmm. or if someone's like well i did really want to play like a half vampire half human kind of character and you're thinking yeah i could do that then you can figure <laughs> out a way 
to incorporate that into your game. Trevor's giving me the face right now. But, oh my god! <laughs> you know, it's like you could. This is the time when you could present those options for your players, mm-hmm. and it's also a great time to establish boundary rules and mm-hmm. basic gameplay understanding of like in this game, I don't want you guys to feel uncomfortable. I want you to feel fine and have fun, mm-hmm. and so it's a really great time to have that kind of conversation with your players too. Mm-hmm. But I can't think of anything more off the top of my head about what session zero is. So let, let's let's see. Yeah. Mainly when you get down to it, if your players go, why are we having a session zero? Mm-hmm. You can just say it's, it's character creation. Yeah, you could easily just say that. And <laughs> um, that's usually how I base it for my groups is that we're going to get together. We're going to build some characters. We're going to figure some stuff out. And mm-hmm. you guys are going to get to know what this campaign is. Yeah. Um. So you get everybody together. You tell them, like, don't come with a character built. I've had people do that. Yeah. They brought pre-made characters to, to a, a session, session zero, zero. And I'm like, where did I lose you in this in this description? You skip to one. Yep. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you sit down with everybody. And usually what I do, like when we did the Curse of Strahd one, uh, I didn't tell you guys what game we were doing beforehand. Mm-hmm. I left it as a surprise where I'm just like, and I, I did it with the reveal of the DM screen. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, so we're going to be doing Curse of Strahd. This is, and this is where I give them kind of the the pitch of the campaign. It was like, this is a very gothic-inspired campaign. It is mm-hmm. very dark. It is very gloomy. But there are, I think the way that I, I said it was, I'm like, but you guys are like the points of light. And yeah. like, you guys are what are going to be the heroes of this dark tale. Um, so I gave them that. And the reason why I like doing that is to give them a a foundation for what to build their character on because mm-hmm. I found and I mean we're all guilty of it if you have no foundation for a character you're building a murder hobo <laughs> you're either building a murder hobo you're building a seducing bard <laughs> or you're building a dumb barbarian <laughs> oh I just heard a term today by the way which I love way more than murder hobo hmm. murder tourist murder tourist <laughs> <laughs> I just have this picture in my head of somebody like in adventuring gear holding up an iPad to take a picture and then shanking someone. Yeah, so I'm I'm prepared to use that in the future. Murder like tourist. A lot more. Yeah, no, murder tourist is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so do giving them an idea and obviously like I had a pre written campaign, but like if you have a homebrew, this is this is where you tell them the land. Mm-hmm. This is where you show off your pretty map that you drew in your free time because or you wanted to. You got off Pinterest. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's same thing. Yeah. Uh well, not same thing, but you know what I mean. Uh so yeah, this is where you you word vomit, you info dump some quick stuff on your players to let them know like, hey, magic uh, is kind of outlawed here. Nobody likes it. Or uh, uh, there is a dominating religion that worships only this god. If you're a cleric of another god, you might run into some problems. This is where you, you give them the info. You give them some hooks that they might take to put into their characters. Like, well, I know that, you know, uh, what uh, Vondra is the main god of this world and they kind of have a lockdown on it, but I'm going to be a paladin of Bahamut. And, yeah. and when, as soon as you say that, your DM might instantly be going like, okay, how are they a paladin of Bahamut? Are there more of them? Do they have a secret group? And they start building stuff themselves and they might work with you on this. Because, yeah, I mean, fun fact, most of the time, unless you're like, have a lot of free time, 
DMs don't world build everything oh my before God. Ascension Zero. There was a great meme that went around this week of Spongebob with a present and is like, finally, I'm a DM. I will learn oh, yeah. all the secrets. And it takes the lid off and it just says, make it all up. Nothing is real. <laughs> it's just like... What? <laughs> it's like it's yeah, all no, just th- pretend. It's all just pretend. That's what it was. It's <laughs> yeah. all just pretend. It's all just pretend. Um, so the like, yeah, when I I tell people that we're there to make characters, but what it really is, it's a brainstorming session. Yeah. If you are at all familiar with doing any kind of brainstorming at all, that's what this session should be. You mm-hmm. should be brainstorming, like. What for the DM, what ties you're going to put into the game to connect to these characters as they're making them? The player should be what kind of things am I doing to connect to the story yeah. that I have just been told we're going to be doing? And then for the, for the group, how is this group together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like that's kind of what I was talking about earlier about using a session zero to help both the players and the DM figure out what the game is going to be because motivation is a hell of a thing (laughs) like yes uh that's probably the trickiest thing to figure out about your character if you're coming up with a character from the get-go like you have no idea what character concept you want Mm -hmm. to figure out your motivation for your character is pretty much your character's just blood that's like what you're going to be playing your character to yeah and a setting can help you find that motivation Mm -hmm. so fast you can go from not knowing anything about your character to having a fully fleshed out character. If you just hear the simple setting of what this DM brought, that can help a lot. Yeah. And coming in with a session zero with nothing in your head can be both awesome and can be helped out. And can also, if you come in with a full fledged concept at a session zero, that can also hinder you. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, not going against that because people do that all the time. Like, I've like, okay, guys, we're going to have a session zero. And then I sit down, one person has no idea what they're doing, another person has never played D&D before, and the third person's like, well, I kind of half built my character already? It's like, okay. Mm. Well, <laughs> like, like um, uh, uh, our, our friend is going to be running Crimson Throne mm-hmm. after we're done with this campaign. And we've all talked about what characters we want to make, but we've only talked about it in terms of classes. Yeah. No one has sat down and built a character. Oh, yeah, no. Ike, I hope you haven't. Um, <laughs> and I think that's because we're kind of unspokenly leaving it to knowing we are going to do a session zero. That's where we're going to sit down. That's where we're going to form these bonds. Oh, I really hope we do because I'll be honest, I don't know how to make a character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. You came in late in the Pathfinder. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Um, but, yeah, doing those sort of things is great because – one of the one of the big like okay let's give you some examples as a dm mm-hmm. so like you give them your spiel campaign or homebrew whatever you want mm-hmm. the i for me the number one best question to ask after that is are you a group that has already been together or are you meeting for the first time in this? Yeah. Because that is going to shape your first session. And that is probably one of the most important pieces of information you're going to get out of that night. Yeah. And I recommend, honestly, separating your session zero from your session one. Don't do Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. I have been. I have done that. Like, I literally did that with our Ravnica game. Yep. But you did like... that so well. <laughs> where it's like. Okay, we finished building our characters and we have established what we know and don't know. All right, well, let's play. It's like, (laughs) give your DM a chance to figure out what to do with all this information. To be fair, you're the one that pushed that. I know, but I was like, (laughs) I kind of wanted to play. And I mean, I was excited. Oh, yeah. But (laughs) if you're not me, um, (laughs) 
give your DM a chance, uh, unless they really say, oh, no, I got the perfect idea for this, Mm -hmm. to kind of figure out what to do with all this information that they've just gained. Uh, Now, even though I just said that's the most important question, I will say it is okay sometimes when you have an idea for a campaign or if the campaign itself kind of already is written that way, to tell them, you've already been a group for a while, Mm -hmm. then follow that up with, Figure out how long you've been a group for and how you all met. That's part of the system zero. Yes. Um, but the, the thing is, though, is that if they haven't met before, then that's not quite there. Yeah. Then you're focusing more on them solely. But Which yeah. fine. Yeah. It, you, it is okay to tell them, like, you haven't been a group or you have been a group. It, yeah. it is okay to do that. Um, but sometimes it's fun to leave it up to the players because you never know what they're going to come up with. So personally, more often than not, my players always say, no, we don't know each other. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so Yeah, it's my like, my group's the complete opposite. Yeah. They're always just like cuz uh we kind of like had this weird agreement a long time ago that we were like I hate meetup sessions. <laughs> They're pointless. We all know what's going to happen. We may as well get over it. It's like the plot is going to happen. Let's just get to the plot. Yeah, cuz <laughs> because then they end up building characters that wouldn't get into a group at that point in their life. Yeah. And so then we get into this whole thing of like, well, if you don't you could leave. <laughs> yeah. There's always that point where it's like, I mean, you, you, do you, do you want to play? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know it's so, it's like, it's always funny because on one hand I have players that say it's like, I don't like having this pre-existing idea of us knowing each other because mm-hmm. I actually don't know their character like very much aside from their stats. And it's like, Oh, like, you mean in real life? Yeah. And it, so it's like, but then like mm. their characters like, but I know this person for like the past six months and it's like, but I hardly know him. And then it's like, well, I mean, but that's part of the brainstorming. Yeah. That's if you have players saying that you can tell them like, that's what this session is for. Figure out why you've known each other for the last six months, figure out like a secret handshake, figure out just something that you two do. That is your friendship kind of like, Thing. That, that that shows it's there that it's, yeah. it's established like the, he always jokes and he he laughs every time i say doo-doo or some crap <laughs> like that some just some little thing yeah and it's it's way more fun if you kind of if you work together during mm-hmm. the session zero than if you're like literally sitting by yourself in the tip in the corner like mm-hmm. no, no no this is my character it's secret yeah or or you're <laughs> dusty and you come up to me and go all right i'm a pyromancer luchador <laughs> And I'm just like, so do you have a class in mind? No. <laughs> I love it, though. <laughs> yeah. We made it work, too, because I'm like, I'm going to find a way to do that because that's, that's cool as shit. Um, and session zeros are great, but, it again, separate them from session one and make it clear you're going to because I haven't done that in the past, and then I have people disappointed that we didn't actually play. Yeah. I get that. Um, but... I think another good thing to do, and obviously this isn't uh, this isn't able this isn't available to everyone because of you know certain situations. If you do the session zero in a different place from where you're going to actually play the game, it oddly helps a lot, and it and it breaks that association with playing. Um, actually, when we started Reign of Winter, uh-huh. we session zeroed in the living room. Oh, really? Yeah, we all sat on the couch. And we all came up with our characters and how we knew each other there and then built our characters at the table. Oh, okay. So there was that separation there. We had to move the table because we had to write down stuff. <laughs> um, but like um, when when we used to play at Kyle's house, 
uh, with the exception of our Tyranny of Dragons game, because you guys came in late, our session zeros were at the cafe. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like, the, this this is a really fun one. I once had a session zero in the middle of a campaign. <laughs> um, so it was when we were playing Star Wars. Uh, we only had Tara, Kyle, and Wiz. Mm-hmm. And they'd been playing for a couple months. And then the Navy guys came back. Yeah. And that was five more players that's a four lot. or five something like yeah. that um and they were like hey we want to play and i'm like all right that was also the night where jim <laughs> surprised the hell out of me and turned out to be a massive nerd and <laughs> was like i want to be a transdocian named sue and i'm like yes you do and i love it um and yeah we went down to the cafe we built characters i gave them the spiel of what was going on and i told them where i I did tell them like you guys obviously don't know each other already so you guys are gonna meet in cloud city like you guys have figure out why each of you was in cloud city and know that each of you need a transport for one reason or another because that was the whole thing that that um the the guardians endeavor had docked at uh cloud city and We'd already established beforehand, not knowing that they were going to be back, (laughs) that they were looking for people to pick up to get money for transport. Perfect. And so it fits so well. And so they all sat down, they made their characters, and they came up with these backstories. And so when we got to the table, and that was one where we we met at the cafe early, mm-hmm. but then went and played later that night. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a dis it had this disconnection where it wasn't like we're gonna play immediately. We had some breather, we had some break room. Able to get a food. <laughs> yeah, and then we started playing. Mm-hmm. And that one worked out really well. God, I still love that game. Um I really like that. That advice of like separating your your session zero, not just like time wise, but physically too. Yeah, yeah. It, it it makes it easier to not have that expectation of play, and also like with you having that like, no, we gotta play right now. Yeah, <laughs> I was way too excited. <laughs> you really were, but hey, so were we. Um, but yeah, that's all I can think of on on session zero stuff. You got anything else? Um, I will say. Uh, it's it's both a good thing and a bad thing, but secrets. And I'm oh, not yeah. talking about like character secrets. I'm talking about like player secrets. Like I want to keep this backstory from literally everybody. It's like uh, why? That's fine, <laughs> but tell your DM. Um, I've had people who wanted to keep stuff a secret from everyone, including me. And I had to go, Hey, I don't like saying this a lot, but I'm God. Um, (laughs) so if you want that to ever actually come up, I need to know about it. I need to know about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, you could establish, I mean, like phones are a thing you can yeah. you can text the oh my DM. god uh ike when we did curse uh curse of straw when he was the bad guy we were texting the whole time under the yeah. table <laughs> you were doing the post D that you were talking about earlier we actually did text. when you guys were in the 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 town where he fucked everything up we actually were playing by post yeah. through text while you guys were rolling dice. He actually made a roll that you guys didn't notice him <laughs> make, and he sent me the results. <laughs> so it's like, uh, secrets are fine. Just be sure to fill in your DM. Yes. Because if you want to have this really cool and interesting and intriguing backstory, but then the DM won't know about it unless you tell them. The, the, this has very little to do with Session Zero, but it is where it starts. And I'm just going to put this out there. Please don't be too cool for school. Oh yes. Just you're make just 
don't. <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to leave it that. I could go further into it, but don't be too cool for school. Just go with it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, any, any any other last thoughts there? Um, aside from emphasizing that this is when you do lay down the the theme and the comfort like and how comfortable everyone will be with it Mm -hmm. like this is when you ask your group whether you've been friends with them for a while or not just say like hey how comfortable are you guys with like major violence or how comfortable are you with like what's your what's your level at Mm -hmm. this is the best time to ask that and i can't emphasize enough this is when you do it you should do it Well, I think that is going to do it for this one. Again, uh, if you have any more questions on session zero or anything we didn't touch on that you'd like to hear us talk about, you can send those into difficultyclass mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Uh, so we're going to move into listener mail. Yay. Uh, Aaron uh, wrote in. Uh, yes, she did. Hey. Uh, <laughs> thank you. So I don't have to keep tiptoeing around that. Um so Aaron wrote in and said, uh, what are your thoughts uh, on the, the monster list being open to players for character creation with some editing? Personally, it, I need a good reason. Yeah. I'm not opposed to it, but the thing I like to warn people is like, hey, it's not so much racism as it is if a bugbear walks into a tavern Everyone has previous experience of them trying to kill them. (laughs) Yeah. So they might, you know, freak out and chase you out of there like Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, like, if it's established during that, hey, session zero, Mm -hmm. that uh, certain monster races are widely accepted around town. Like, if kobolds are walking freely through this town. And that's the thing. You can do that, especially, especially in a homebrew. Like... Um, well, like Pathfinder second edition has now made goblins accepted. Yeah. Which I think is super cool. And I love goblins. They're mm-hmm. so adorable. In they that really game. are. I have a little one over there. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can totally do that. Like if it fits your setting, mm-hmm. totally do it. Yeah. Um, as far as building it itself, Aaron, because I saw that you had a lot of notes in there about it. Um, I'm not going to go over the, the whole specifics about it, but I will say, Take a look at what Volo's Guide did because mm-hmm. Volo's Guide actually does have monster races in there. Mm-hmm. And you can see how they handled going about translating like the monster stats into character stats. Mm-hmm. And as far as, because you also mentioned legendary actions too. I would say no player should get legendary actions because no. we, as we talked about in the last session, uh, session, in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny to call these sessions. <laughs> in the last episode, uh, legendary actions can make or break an entire fight. Yeah. And um, giving a player character that would not only just screw with the entire action economy of things, but it would. It would it would really not be good for the entire game itself. I think personally, I would say because you know every race has something cool about it, except for humans. Uh, <laughs> their coolness is their versatility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, if you want to figure out something good for that, yeah, you might. Maybe what you could do is pick a legendary action from the list that they have and make that a certain amount of times per day ability mm-hmm. like you like let's say that it's a uh, something that has wings yeah and you you see the legendary action like that dragons have where it's they beat their wings everything makes a strength check and then they fly off yeah you could do that but it's like you you like okay let's say they're level one i would remove the strength check they're not going to knock them prone they're mm-hmm. they're a medium humanoid they're not going to do that um but i would give them the um, I might give them the strength check to push 
uh, push them back so they have an opportunity to fly away without an opportunity attack. That yeah. one would be a cool. Uh, and they would be able to fly up to half their movement. Yeah. And then um, I would make it so that they could do that a number of times per day equal to their con modifier. Yeah, like Just, something like that. Yeah. And if you're wondering, Aaron, where I'm pulling out those numbers and stuff like that, absolutely nowhere. Just making it up. Yep. And it's just what sounds good. And what you you want to think about, like, what is going to be fair. Like, if imagine you're the DM and you tell the player that you made this race for, all right, go ahead and do that thing. Do you think everyone else at the table would immediately go, what? They get to do what? Yeah. If the, if, if the answer is yes, tone it down. Because <laughs> uh, you don't want to make you don't want to make it any cooler than what everyone else is, except for humans. <laughs> I love how I beat up on humans, but they're the number one race that I play because of that. I don't remember feet. you ever playing anything else. <laughs> uh, Minotaur in your Ravnica game. That is true. That's, That's true. Very the true. only reason I did that is because there was an easy minifigure that had a Boros on it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, basically, yeah, you totally can make monster races, but have it established in the session zero that you're interested in that. And if it's possible in the world that your DM is bringing, or if you're the DM, mm -hmm. bring that up to your players. Yeah. Um, especially if you're the one willing to put in the work to build these race characters, then yeah, I would say, I mean, like there's nothing holding you back. Just take a look at the Volo's guide to how they built their monsters. Two things for me. Um, Pathfinder actually did this. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it is the advanced players hand or players player options. It's something like that. Advanced player options, I think it is. Uh, but they did a book that actually had like monster races as optional races mm -hmm. to play as. Um, obviously, the math is not going to work out. But if you can at least look at a copy of it and see what they did and get some ideas of it, you might be able to figure something out. Yeah. Also, this sounds like a really good thing you could do for that Deichman supplement. Oh yeah. And I really hope that you're, like, fully writing this out so you can re release it on DMs Guild so we can, like, you know, spotlight it. Hey, who knows? <laughs> that would uh, be cool. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, I would say work. I look at those two things and then definitely see how it plays with the mechanics that you're working on. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know, because this is your first episode, Aaron is working on a supplement about uh, removing uh, ability, ability scores sports. from race and uh, so on and so forth. So keep at that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let me get my, my phone because I'm completely unprepared. <laughs> uh, our second question is from uh, Ryan Fitzgerald. Uh, Ryan's written in before. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he was on that ill-fated uh, episode of the, the adventure series that didn't make it because of audio problems. Oh, no. <laughs> D Dallas, it was not just you. It was me, too. Don't feel bad, buddy. Uh, he says, hello, Difficulty Class crew. Uh, he says, I've attached a... Uh, I've Attached the start of my very own homebrew for my friends. So hoping y'all could take a peek and let me know what you think so far and any advice. Uh, so they don't need to read more than that. So I did look through this mm -hmm. and uh, this is hard to do for an audio show because you can't see it, listeners. <laughs> but I will say this, Ryan, you're doing a really good job on formatting. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Anyone out there that is looking to start writing homebrew stuff, and we've done some talk about doing an episode about writing adventures and maybe having a guest on about it, uh, but we're I really look at how things are formatted in the books and Ryan did a little bit different and I and I like what he did where like he gave this intro part for the DM where it's like, here's the important characters. 
here's the the timestamps of what's going to happen and here's the important locations it's almost like a weirdly session zero for reading the pamphlet yeah yeah <laughs> um and i i think that was a really good one uh i would love to see more as you as you keep going with it mm-hmm. um but for people who are trying to write their own definitely look at formatting of how like the starter kit or campaigns or even adventures that are already on dm's guild have done it but i do recommend putting your own little twist on it yeah and um and doing something that you think the formats that are already out there aren't doing mm-hmm. so that way you can have your extra little pizzazz yeah so much i just said pizzazz that's weird <laughs> i mean if there's something that D books are just aren't bringing to the table and you're like wow i really wish this was written like this way yeah well, well like like uh like Hell, hellbound heist last week yeah. um, i i said the thing that i loved was that they mentioned the creatures in the block in text. the block text it <laughs> irritates me to no end like l- during pathfinder this week i had long story character was a ghost and <laughs> stuck her head through a door and I came over with the book and had me read the block text. I went, yeah, that's real pretty. What's in there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, that's something that, like, I am going to do when I start writing them. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> um, Same Yeah. So uh, definitely look at those and feel those out. Um, but from what I've seen right now, Ryan, you're doing a really good job. Yeah. Um, and maybe if Ryan's feeling comfortable enough with it, at some point he'll post it up either on Deems Guild or for free. And we'll link it to you so you can see what he's working on. Um, but yeah. yeah. Thank you guys for both sending those in. Mm-hmm. Where, where can they send those in to? Well, they're, they can send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com. Oh my God. I know. well that was our show for this week if you enjoyed this podcast and want to support it the best way to do that is by leaving a review on your service of choice as well as telling your friends about the show if you'd like your questions advice or stories read on the show send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com and if you'd like to stay up to date on the show you can follow us on twitter at difficultyclass and on instagram at difficultypodcast so until next week don't get killed by an overambitious dm who skipped session zero (laughs) 